Smad Hatter Show podcast. Two great guests today. Something that I've always wished I could do is draw. So now I have a cartoonist, an illustrator in front of me, uh, Mr. Tim Felder. He can help me with this. Maybe he can teach me how to be an artist before he leaves here. Probably not going to happen, but I can say it anyway. I will. And <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Tanisha Taylor in the building representing TSU. Absolutely. And I'm going to start with you, too, ma'am, because I know uh, I saw you at an event in fifth floor, fifth floor. You got to say it like that. Uh, saw you over the weekend and you came to me like, hey, we got to get this magnificent gentleman uh, on the air and talk about some of the stuff we got going on. So, doctor, I'm going to start with you okay. so you can set the stage like why we here, what mm-hmm. you got going on. And I think you're actually new to TSU. I am new not? to TSU. So t- yeah. tell well, me a little new-ish. bit. About, OK, newish. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself first what got you to TSU and uh, the whole nine uh well I came to uh be the chair of the communication studies department welcome um thank you uh and I was at your crosstown rival for about 10 years at Prairie View a and um <laughs> it was a delight but Texas Southern definitely is better in a lot of ways uh-oh uh-oh uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I know people are going to be real disappointed oh. my former students especially 10 uh-oh. years of students they're going to be real disappointed but I love my my love my students at both institutions there actually you go. Good answer. both universities are absolutely fantastic and produce amazing amazing scholars <laughs> Um, in every way, especially in communication studies. Yes, ma'am. And so since I've been here, I've had the opportunity to start the Center for Africana Futures, which is the first center of its kind of focused on uh, not just what it means for black folks and brown folks to exist in the future, but what does it mean for us to thrive in the future Mm. and as living, breathing, actual people, right? So part of what we're interested in is also training people into the careers of the future, right? Because a lot of what has happened in the past, especially around technology, is we've talked a lot about, like, the yeah, digital How do you divide. visualize that? How do you right. even have an eye for what you think is going to be happening in the future? Mm-hmm. And by the way, in a lot of the things that, uh, in the business that you're in, when they actually portray uh, people of color mm-hmm. in these things, we either are not there for a very long period of time. What do you mean? Are you saying we always die at the beginning of the credit? <laughs> we just die right at the end of the credit? Or, what are you or we're just not there at right. all. Oh, okay. There's right. more okay. people that look like uh-huh. these foreign objects and things that than look mm-hmm. like people of color. Right. right. Brown, black, whatever you want to call right. it. Right. Uh, so it's interesting that you have that and you started mm-hmm. that. And how do you visualize that and then mm-hmm. teach about it? Like, here's where I think the future is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you know what's going to happen or you suspect mm-hmm. what's going to happen and not have it in front of you already? I think it's both you suspect and you know, right? So I'm from California originally. I grew up in the Silicon Valley. Okay. Uh, and so as someone who grew up in the Silicon Valley, I learned to program and to code when I was like four years old. Oh, man, I'm um, jealous of you. <laughs> yeah. So... I and I saw black middle class that were programmers, mm. right? My parents' friends, I, like I didn't know that you got a PhD and became a professor because none of my parents' friends with PhDs were professors. They were computer engineers. Wow. Uh, they worked for NASA. They they worked for Hewlett Packard or IBM, um, or they were high school principals. Interesting mix of friends. Yes. Uh, but so it taught me to imagine what a future would look like. My dad also was a huge Star Wars, Star Trek fan. Mm -hmm. He loved them both as franchises. Um, And so I learned at a very young age that the way that we're part of the future is we have to imagine being there, Mm. right? 
Uh, and so that was... I don't think we get to the part of having an imagination to see us that far in the future because we're so much dealing with what's happening right, right now, now in the present. Yeah. So it's interesting that you said that. I like yeah. the perspective. And I think that, well, I know that a lot of that is class-based, right? Like if you grew Absolutely. up in a middle-class family, you've got the luxury of imagination, mm. right? I didn't have to go to work. I got to be a kid and hang out and play and have an imagination. But I grew up around a lot of other kids that were doing that too, black and brown kids, that that's the life that we understood. That was your norm. Yeah. Uh, and so it means that then you grow up, you go to college. Like, of of my friends, I'm one of the few that got a Ph.D. and stayed working. Everybody else stayed in coding and became dot-com millionaires because wow. I'm also of that age of people yeah. who were coming out of college mm-hmm. in the late 90s. And they benefited. We benefited from that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um and I was the one who was like, I don't like coding. You have to sit in a room in the dark, and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and I had lots of opportunities for internships in college and things like that and was like, eh, I don't like this um, as work, right? But I love it as a study. Hmm. And so I stayed on in academia to study how people talk about culture and how people talk about politics and how people talk about society and how talking about things creates a future for Can people. Can I ask you a question? Let me get it. Did you realize how different your upbringing was? Or do you, no, later on, did you look back and like, oh, this wasn't typical. It wasn't typical black. It wasn't typical. A lot of <laughs> it typical. Wasn't, right, yeah, it wasn't typical yeah. for women. Yeah, like, they, they, yeah. It was a lot of woman, stuff that yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, that's not normal or right, regular. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that until my... F- Sophomore year in college, wow! I took a computer class because everybody had to take computer class. Mm-hmm. And I sat down at the computer to help the person next to me. I sat in their seat. And when I sat down, I realized by putting my hand on the mouse, I knew it was upside down. So I just spun it around and then kept doing what I was, what they asked help with. Mm-hmm. And the instructor actually said, well, you're not normal. And I looked at that white man wow. like, I'm sorry, sir, we're about to have a problem and it's week two. <laughs> wow. Right. And I was like, well, what do you what do you what do you mean? And he was like, you already understood. Yeah. Something he was like, was you normal. already know something that mm. no one else around you knows. He was like, how do you how did you know it was upside down? And and at the moment, I thought, you know, sophomore college, Tonisha was like, doesn't everybody know right. it's upside down when they put their hand on it? And I said it, and, and everybody in the class went, no, and they yelled it. And I was like, oh, my God. Right? So I was like, oh, so that's not normal. normal. And that was the first time, though, Wow. that I knew, like, I because I was normal in my space, right? But I grew up in Northern California. I went to college in Southern California. And that's what, that was the first time, too, that I realized even in the state of California, that wasn't normal. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Um, amongst middle class, black folks, oh, Latinos, yeah. Asians, that was not normal. And I didn't know that until then. Wow. And then there, at, I went to California State University, San Marcos. That's where I got my degree. Um, and I was like, oh. And so then I just started asking. Did it change the trajectory of your life or the way you thought about things? Or it was that's just the point where you like, oh, my life, my it, parents brought me up different. And I didn't even realize it. 
it was more that second part. My parents brought me up different. I didn't know. Right. Um, and it was like, oh, okay. And it probably right. was never discussed in the home, too. Like, it was no. no big deal being made that, hey, you know that your experience is probably not like your parents' right. experience. Did you? Um, and by the way, did you ever get a chance to ever go back to them and have a discussion with them about oh, that yeah, experience? Oh, yeah, I called my dad that day. <laughs> was did, like, was he able to say, yeah, you didn't know that? You didn't know your experience was different? Was that his? His, his. He called me baby girl. Um, <laughs> it was funny because I'm the oldest. Um, but it's like, well, baby girl, we we raised you to do the things that we knew you liked. Mm. You like to read. You like to ask questions. You would worry us to death asking us questions. So we made a life where you could ask questions when get in trouble mm. because that was important to them, right? Um, and so they were like, well, yeah. And then they were like, well, and then we just taught you to do the stuff we like. Right. My dad took computer classes. He went to San Jose State in the 70s Mm. um, amongst sort of the Wozniaks and the Jobs and and those folks. Right. Um, And he took programming classes Hmm. because that's what he was interested in. So he actually and I don't think I ever told you this. He built our first computer. Really? No, you did not tell me that. And he built it when I was about four, four ish. Yeah. So we had the only personal computer on our street. And yours was built yeah. by dad. Yeah. It was, he built it out of Texas Instrument. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could order. The different parts. Yeah, the different parts and, you know, custom build a computer. People, what you're saying, with a certain age group, they what you're mm-hmm. saying will totally make no sense. Yeah. But the, but and, and let me take that take that back because there's still some people that still try not try they build their own computers mm. now but at that particular time to have a working computer you know we had a Commodore 64 uh. and when it came into the house yeah I mean you were around the same age we didn't know what that was right. my dad was trying to look into the future mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we were of the present right shout out to dad. Uh, God bless Dads are so, awesome. <laughs> uh, but we didn't understand what to do with this Commodore 64 and the way it was hooked up and the bleep, 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 bleep and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to hear your story. That's you, you understand. What I'm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. We we it got it, it was 82 where we got the Atari. See, so you yeah. understand. So, da, it was da, da, all da, around da, that. Da, yeah, da, so you da, get it. Yeah, it was a different time. Yeah, right. So you had to understand the language. Yeah. And if you didn't understand the language, you didn't know what to do with the contraption. Yeah. So I'm going I'm to leave yeah. it there. Yeah. I think that your part of the story is a very interesting mm-hmm. story. So it's, it's just, I don't, I don't think people, I think we see black people and we put mm-hmm. them in a box. Yeah. And we think that we're all the same and we have mm-hmm. the same experiences. And it's mm-hmm. very interesting to get the opportunity to hear somebody that didn't have mm-hmm. those experiences. Right. They had a totally different experience. Yeah. yeah. So I just, what got you to get... To be the doctor that you are now, and, <laughs> um, and I'm just getting some background. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I'm saying it's. I, I, let me just say this. I would say that I'm sitting here listening to you, and I've been hearing all the backstory over the last few days. Okay, about her dad and her mom. It reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Absolutely. Like, this woman yeah. is, is an out. She's an outlier, and, mm-hmm. and but she didn't realize it till later on. Yeah. you are though. You had mm-hmm. a, you. That's yeah. perfect. Yes. I yeah. love that. Yeah, I get so, that book, y'all. It's a good book. <laughs> it is a good book. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, my so my professor sophomore year um, also told me I was a unicorn, 
And so he was <laughs> like, we're going to get you in this program and you're going to go be a uh, go work for a software company. Um, Which and, software company? Yeah, I, it was a software company that became EA Sports. Oh, oh wow! Um, she just kind of threw it out there like it was nothing. Yeah. Go like ahead, good, you know what I mean? But that's it that's what unicorns 90s, do. That's, right? You live a unicorn life. I'm sorry. What was your job again while you were at EA Sports? <laughs> I I just worked as a test as an intern. I I always I'm careful to say as an intern I was very unpaid. Um, but <laughs> it was doing software testing and in design. You were a game tester. Yeah, game tester. Um, I hated every second of it. (laughs) Um, The funny thing is, I came back later and tried it again, though. Um, Toward the end of my academic years, a friend of mine was um, came testing for uh, what becomes NBA 2K. Wow. Um, I still hated it. (laughs) She just thrown it out there like it's nothing. It's nothing, (laughs) man. My sons would kill to do that. I know people that would commit murder to do this. (laughs) Murder. (laughs) Um, But I hated it. I didn't like it. I didn't. I'm not a. I don't like sports video games. Like I grew up playing Frogger as a little kid, and I love those. I'm. I found out later, and by later I mean like two years ago. I found out. (laughs) I found out I'm a what they call a cozy gamer. A cozy I, yeah. gamer. I like games where you don't die. I like story-driven games. I don't like... So, like, I like games where you read a little and then you go on a little adventure. Like, so well, I actually you, did, like, let, Zelda I, when I, I was in high school. You. I salute oh, you because yeah. I'm not good at games at all. I, I don't... I'm not able to sit still mm. for mm-hmm. a long period of time looking at the screen if I don't feel like I'm... Getting like doing something, yeah. Something yeah. has to be coming at me. Like, I mm-hmm. love news, I like documentaries, mm-hmm. I need information coming at me. Right. Sitting there trying to figure out how to get to the next step, I'm not a fan yeah. of. I should learn it though, because <laughs> it's such an integral part of where we are. I think it is. Yeah. I think games, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of men, I, I think with men, they mm-hmm. definitely connect with their kids. Now, I'm not gonna say men no more, we live in a different world. Yeah. I'm gonna say people connect with their children with these games now, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going to push back on that. Okay, and the reason I like why I'm going to push back is because you chose an occupation in in, in communication, mm. which is in its own way just as viable as games. What is the most rapidly growing form of online communication? Podcasting, which is effectively what we're doing. Yes, okay. sir. Yeah. But you're able. You've done it in such a way where you're able to bridge the quote-unquote, old radio-based yes. digital mm-hmm. audio world, mm-hmm. and you've now bridged it With to the, the modern day. Yeah. So I sub- I submit to you okay. that you are very much of the times. It's just that you're an outlier. <laughs> you were ahead of you the game. You too. You were ahead of the game. I'm, I'm going to let you have that one. I'm, 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 I'm going to think about this. Uh, How am I an outlier? Okay, let me think because about you knew Because you knew years ago that you were not going to take a conventional line of occupation. You literally wanted to, I mean, they literally call you the Mad Hatter. Sure. You understand? So you have a persona around that. That's your branding. You're here. So, yeah, that's the public-facing thing. But then you're also— No, I get it. You're a tech engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I have to blow you up like that. No, 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 no. Sometimes you need to hear somebody's perspective of you because the way you look at you is totally different. Right. You're very much it. So when you say it, you're like, oh, 
I, I didn't think about it that way. I didn't give it that. No one I'm else. I'm over here giving thought right. to what y'all do <laughs> and I'm amazed at what y'all doing. So I'm not. I'm thinking. I'm just over here. I'm just running my trap, and I got lucky running my trap. So, yeah. but think thinking about it. Think about it. We met. At least I met you the other day. All these politics politicians were there. They were not officiating the event. You were. Mm-hmm. Well, because you're a public speaker. Well. I've been I've been lucky to live in a city that has embraced me, and so some of those some of those political figures out there, you know them personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you had the opportunity, kind of like to grow with them, so to mm-hmm. speak, as well. Uh, but I receive what you're saying. You know what? By the way, this is going to be so side note. I noticed mm-hmm. you out there because out there he was doing something different. I saw mm-hmm. you drawing as the people were speaking. And I thought that was so interesting. Like, I didn't know, visually, I did not know who he was until right. you came over to mm-hmm. me and you introduced him. It was so <laughs> ironic because I saw him. I saw it now, you, and you, you did one for me, too. So I put it in a special place where yeah. you drew me as well on... On the comic. Yeah, yeah on the comic. But, I, but you were the first person I drew. I did not know that. But I saw you draw, and I'm like, that's interesting. I wonder if someone had him to come out here. To, and I'm like, is yeah. there a reporter? Or I'm like, this is, this somebody is, with him. This, this is different. I'm, I've never seen yeah. that before. But it caught, I don't Dr. even know Taylor. why it caught yeah. my attention. I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you. Because usually when mm-hmm. you're around, your your brain is everywhere. Right. But it just, it just you were very deliberate about what mm-hmm. you were doing and what you were capturing. Yeah. So I just had to yeah. say that. So, like, I, again, it was funny when you brought him to me. So I'm like, it was funny because I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to talk to this guy. Right. I mean, I just, I was staring at him trying to figure out, like, what's going on here mm-hmm. and put the pieces mm-hmm. together. But after you talked to him, I'm like, okay, now, yeah. okay. It made sense. It, it, I think, to me, and I'm like, this guy, he lives this life, too. So mm-hmm. this is the way he captures mm-hmm. his moments. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. We got so off. I just wanted no, to get no, a little bit. No, no, it wasn't all at all. It was, it was part of it. I wanted to get some of your background, mm-hmm. and I know that's not what we came here to do, <laughs> but I did want, and I'm glad I did it because mm-hmm. I learned something about you, and it was yeah. way mm-hmm. interesting and informative for me. Good, uh, thank I hope you. those watching, they get the same thing out of it. I hope so. Uh, yeah. Now, what's the connection to you and Mr. Felder mm-hmm. here? How, do, how does he get so, to be drawn he, into yeah. this picture? You like <laughs> right. that? Oh, so the Center for Africana Futures also is very active in Afrofuturism and the Black Speculative Arts Movement. And so um, OG Afrofuturist <laughs> artist new title, over here. Huh? Oh, no. Oh, no, it's an old a, title. A curator gave it to me six years ago, yeah. and, and it stopped. So, right. yeah, and so now here we it. all are. Okay. Uh, but Tim, um, uh, and I'll let him tell more about his story, but we— we're introduced to each other because a friend and colleague of his um, from not quite undergrad, they went to the same undergrad, so yeah. I'll let him tell that Jackson story, but to mm-hmm. Jackson State. Um, so it was a very strong SWAC connection around here. Mm-hmm, you got that. <laughs> um, felt it. I felt right. it. Uh uh, Ronaldo Anderson, Dr. Ronaldo Anderson, uh, said to me, he's like, hey, you know, we're doing this thing. You're doing this thing on Afrofuturism. I know this guy. Bring him in. And this is, I used to run Communication Week at Prairie View. Uh, and I brought Tim in when we did a Black Speculative Arts uh, conference as part of Communication Week. And uh, he was amazing. The students were, like, alive with, like, questions and Interest and for a lot of them, it was the first time. Like you said earlier, you know, you you saw comics, but you didn't see black men drawing comics, uh, yeah. right? 
Um, and so for a lot of them, they saw someone that they could be for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that for me was really exciting, but also uh, sort of Tim's understanding and appreciation of Afrofuturism and what he was trying to build. I was like, this is a guy I'm going to stay friends with. <laughs> well, you <laughs> We're going to keep this up. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I went and watched a little bit of your TEDx. Oh, okay. Here's what I thought was interesting. Usually when I see, and there's been a couple of them, cartoonists, illustrators that I met who are black, and they are very, um, your opinion is that they're going to kind of be nerdy, uh, very internal. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that none of them (laughs) that I've ever met happen Mm -hmm. to be that way. Mm -hmm. They're very Mm free-flowing, external, loving energetic Mm -hmm. and all these things because when I think comic book illustrator I'm thinking solo I'm thinking this Mm -hmm. quiet don't really want to be disturbed don't really Mm -hmm. dig people all that Mm -hmm. much and it's always counted up with the black ones I don't know about the white ones haven't met them I met like three black cartoonists in my life Mm -hmm. Uh, and they all are very charismatic people so when I saw you I'm like another one I'm like I don't know if this is just a Black thing, I hate to say that. Uh, I, I don't know. So that's that brings me to you now. Uh, how does, a, how does a, a young black child say to himself, you know what, when I grow up in these times, and obviously dealing with your age, you're 60s, 50s, I mean 60s, 70s, 80s, particularly 70s, 80s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there is no, to my knowledge, there is no person doing what it is you've turned into what you do Became your career. Right. That I know of. That I know right. of. Right. Uh, we've seen, and again, we had this off-camera conversation. Mm-hmm. I've seen blacks who were drawn in comics mm-hmm. by other people that don't look like us. Right. But I was not aware. I was never told. Right. Or at least introduced to one that looked like me mm-hmm. that drew. Right. Mm-hmm. So how does this kid say to himself, boldly, arrogantly, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, uh... Hey, mom, check this out. All that stuff that you wanted me to do, nah, that, that I'm going to draw. That never actually happened. Talk to me. Not in my family. <laughs> uh, similar, you know, although I was, I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. I'm from Mississippi. The South. Right. The, like the South, South. Yes, sir. You know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, you know, With we ate all parts of the hall. Yes, that sir. Was, that was like, oh, Lord. Anyway, but uh, I'm sorry I had a flashback there. But, um... I come from a family where both my parents were educated, instructors. They taught for almost 50 years apiece. Um, uh, All of my siblings of my three siblings, I have a twin brother Mm -hmm. and two older brothers. All of us are artists. We've always been artists. Hmm. right? Even if we were instructors, we were teaching art. Uh, I became a cartoonist, and, you know, sometimes I wonder if my, you know, well, I don't know if it annoys them, but I don't really care. <laughs> As the youngest of all four, you know, and my, my twin brother's five minutes old, we really didn't have much of a choice as to what our pastime would be because you have the older brothers, mm-hmm. and as all older siblings know, you tell your younger siblings what to do. That's right. Mm-hmm. And because you're a younger sibling and you idolize your older sibling, you're more than willing to do it, right? Because you want to please them. <laughs> so for them, they were into comics, so we became into comics. Oh, wow, okay. And so my second oldest, who was this mastermind designer and, you know, uh, uh, you know, mindset, as a matter of fact, I'm going to introduce you mm-hmm. to Boston. I think you all will have a lot of, in common. Mm-hmm. But his name is Boston. Uh, he created a comic book company. 
called GC Comics, Galaxy Comics. And this is in 1970. Mm-hmm. And he would assemble his school friends to create a line of comics. So his comic book, from when he started in elementary school up to the age of 16, did a character called Ryan Stevenson. Yes. No one knows this except for the, the 10 or 20 people who are. So I'm saying this guy did six. He did almost 16 issues hmm. of this comic book character. Right. Oh, wow. Now, I did that as well. My character was Thunderstar, which was a play on Jim Kelly. OK. Remember Jim Kelly? Yeah, Black, absolutely. Black Mel Jones? Absolutely. But he absolutely. wore this yellow uh, gi would have had these orange thunderbolts on him, right? And he had that fro and he had a mask, right? So I was into superheroes, mm-hmm. right? Right. A grubby Marvel comic. Absolutely. Right? But then around the late 70s, Heavy Metal Magazine came around, which was the adult illustrated fantasy magazine, yes, which means I was reading comics that were completely inappropriate for me to be reading. <laughs> and we would order comics from Bud Plant in San Francisco where we'd get underground comics. Totally inappropriate, like trash, man. But Spain Rodriguez, like, just just ridiculous what we were reading. But we were reading it. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars hit. And then I got heavily into science fiction and the work of Ralph McQuarrie and Joe Johnson and John Barrett, who designed the look of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's all from Ralph McQuarrie, who's a counterpart of Sid Mead. Sid Mead designed Blade Runner. Right, with Harrison Ford, Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these things, and you might say, well, why am I mentioning that within the context of me? It's because Sid Mead, Ron Cobb, and Ralph McQuarrie basically designed most of the prominent fantasy films from the 70s all the way to the 90s. Wow. So you're talking about Blade Runner, Alien, Star Wars, the first Alien, uh, you know, Aliens and Aliens. Mm-hmm. Back to the Future, uh, 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 Short Circuit, E.T. Wow. They designed all of the tech and that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they really designed not just entertainment culture, but they had a tremendous effect on world culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I grew up in that point where you can go to the multiplex. You could watch, you know, Back Absolutely. to the Future and go Absolutely. over and watch the thing, John Carpenter's <laughs> thing. You know what I'm saying? That's the right. way we grew up, yeah. you know. So... I did that up to the age of 12, but my oldest brother went to Howard University. Okay. Right? And he studied under Haile Greenman where their whole idea was about studying black aesthetics, how black people should be photographed in film. Hmm. So we'd come home every so often to the cotton fields, and he would blow me and my twin brother's mind with <laughs> information like, the Egyptians were black. Really? That time, because, you know, you're thinking as a young kid, yeah, you're, you're thinking, always, well, yeah, it's, it's Moses, yeah. you know, with Charlton right. Heston. Mm-hmm. Right? So, right. Oh, my God, the Egyptians were black. <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, but I created this character, and I've said this before in other interviews, and I like to say it because I want people to understand that you transition, you change. So 12, 13, maybe 14, but definitely no older than that. Uh, my brother comes home, and I show him this character I created, right? Because I'm... Seriously into Star Wars at this point. I'm the idiot that memorized. You know, back then, they were, their IP ownership and how they dealt with merchandising was different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they just took the recording of the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just like audio, dialogue, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the A side and the B side was the yeah. entire movie. Mm. So I remember the, that because my cousin had that album. <laughs> <laughs> the tragedy is I memorized it. 
Wow. Dialogue. I knew everybody's lines. I knew the music cues. I knew wow. the science fiction. I'm embarrassed to say it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I was trying to like, see, I'm normal, man. I'm normal. Yes, I memorized Star Wars, okay? Jeez. So I did this. And I, sh- I wanted to create this character because I was always into Flash Gordon. Alex Raymond, the cartoonist who did Flash Gordon. Neil Buck Rogers, but definitely Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a swashbuckling science fiction mm-hmm. thing. So I created this character with this older white gentleman who's like the age grizzled kind of mm-hmm. warrior. And he had these two swords. And I called him the master. Mm. Mm-hmm. And my brother ripped into me and said, look mm-hmm. what you're doing. Are you aware of what you're doing? And I was like, it's like sword master, like a Jedi master. Mm -hmm. He was like, no, no, no. You've made a white man master. And you call him the master. But I didn't think about that. Mm. Now, going back to what I was saying about older siblings, you idolize Mm -hmm. them. So I didn't rebel against that. I didn't go, oh, I'm going to do what I want. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. I went all black. (laughs) (laughs) I went. Everything became black. (laughs) <laughs> all black characters all the time <laughs> all black all the time and I have been stuck role, model, role models are important I've Very. been side, side in note. that yeah. year for 50 years wow so mm-hmm. I and I'm the cartoonist I was telling Tanisha the other day that I never sold my work mm-hmm. I never sold anything so I have all of the work I've done from age 12 to 8 in fact we've lost some of it the master we lost that we lost that story. Oh, wow. And the last time I had seen it was, God, I had to be what? Eighth grade, maybe more, well, maybe eighth, <laughs> ninth, tenth grade, mm-hmm. right? We found it in August of this year. Did you? It was stuck in the attic of my mom and dad. Oh, house. wow. <laughs> So parents are awesome. Parents are awesome. (laughs) Another side note. So yeah, you never know what they'll save. Yeah, well, my mom saves everything. Everything, you know. Yeah, well, Dad was a hoarder. I love you, man. If you listen to this, he was a hoarder, but he's not so much of a hoarder because my mom kind of downsized. But she's the AKA. You know, you know how y'all AKA get. Everything's <laughs> ivy and pink and green everywhere <laughs> and stuff. But uh, hey, True. I love the AKs. Yeah, I'm married to an AK. Okay, so I'm sure married to an AK. Yeah, I don't want to clarify. <laughs> Please, brother. I want to clarify that AKAs are dope. So dope, I married one. There right. it is. Now, um, so yes, I've, uh, I say I'm stuck in that gear, meaning it became a passion. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been ups and downs, obviously, because, you know, you come in doing black characters. You know, you go, you know, Mississippi, I went to Jackson State. I transferred after a year and a half and went to Atlanta. And then I wanted to become a pro comic book artist. Mm-hmm. And I went to New York. Because mm-hmm. back in the 80s, that's you, you know, there was no internet. So you wanted to be in the comic book industry. You had to go, go to New York. That's right. Yeah. Or to go to New York or L.A., but you'd be better off if you went to New York. So that's what I went. I went to New York. And uh, I was still doing that. I was doing black characters, and there was a space for me. I didn't, but it was, you know, when you're young and you're dumb, you you're running off of off of pee. You know, you got never <laughs> you pole, you're broke, but you're running off of energy. You yeah. know what I mean? You mm-hmm. you run off of anything. You could burn any fuel. That's you right. Know? Yeah. And that's what I did. And um, I be, I was a before the term was an Afrofuturist. We did black sci-fi. 
And that's what did, I did. did. Were you realizing it was different or did you not care or the spaces where you were going, they mm-hmm. were embracing it? You understand what I'm saying? Or was there a fight like, oh, no, I'm telling these stories from this perspective and that's just that? Yeah, there was no embracement in my <laughs> okay, experience. Gotcha. Yes, uh, you just did it. There, there was a little bit in terms of the black rock movement. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and a lot of this will come out as a documentary on my career is going to be released in the, in the coming year, I would hope. Um, so Black Rock Coalition did uh, Living Color, 24-7 Spy. So I did a lot of the Black Rock Coalition's early, early flyers. Mm-hmm. And so that would be like the mad scientists with the dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. They call them Afropunks now. Mm-hmm. That's what we were. Okay. But we didn't have that term. <laughs> you know? And uh, so I did that, that type of work. And I would do editorial cartooning for the Village Voice. But, you know, when you're doing that type of work, what you really want to do is work for a mainstream company. Mm-hmm. So I ended up starting work for Marvel Comics. In the early 90s, the first job I ever did with them was a, a series of pinups for Conan Magazine, Conan the Barbarian. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then uh, uh, two or three years later, about by 1993, 94, I've been brought on by Marvel Music to do a, a, a 63-page, fully painted and gouache graphic novel of Dr. Dre. And it was called Dr. Dre, Man with a Cold, Cold Heart. Dr. Dre, like rapper Dr. Dre? There's only producer. one Dr. Dre. Okay, there's I'm just, only one Dr. Dre, brother. Okay, you know okay, this. Okay. I see the 50 on your cap. You know who I'm talking about. That's why you asked that question. You know who I'm talking about. So it was an action adventure. Check it out. Okay. Where Dre, who was a criminal in the book, is kidnapped by the U.S. government with all these near do wells, is what they call them. And they're forced to be trained as super soldiers. I, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't, hey, another guy wrote the one page. I would love to have a copy of this. It was never published. Okay. <laughs> it was never published. Because Marvel declared bankruptcy by the mid-90s. Right. So everything was washed out. There's even my friend Floyd Hughes did a Snoop graphic novel, never published. Does anyone have their hands on any I of I have this? the originals, yeah. But okay. see, that's why that's where we gonna get to that, brother. <laughs> we get to that. We getting close to it. We getting close to it. Now, all that to say, <laughs> yes, sir. Because I don't want to take up too much of the time. You know? <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I, I want to say the reason why I'm here today is due to Dr. Tanisha Taylor with her Center for Africana Futures uh, at Texas Southern University. She brought me in specifically to introduce to the student body and the faculty. I would add. The idea of how you take traditional art and you marry the techniques with AI art. Mm. And that's a very controversial thing going on. But I have, I believe, I would say, a technique that allows a traditional artist to maintain their integrity and their control through Mm -hmm. the software I utilize called Doodle AI, Mm -hmm. written by a a programmer, a man of color from Colombia named Vladimir Palacio. And he brought me on. You know, we connected early in the year, back when everybody had gotten depressed late last year. Remember, like mid journey here, everybody got depressed. Oh, because you know, suddenly here's the software mid journey and all those type of things. Oh yeah, you thought that mm-hmm. your career was over if you it, did you, if you, that, you did art. You thought it was done. I had never experienced anything like that before. For my entire life, it's always been well. Okay, I might not want to work this crap job or that crap job, but I can always draw. And not everybody can draw. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Now, oh God, everybody AI. can just type <laughs> a prompt of what I want. Right. And you know, it, now one could question the ethics of that. Okay. But I'm sure people question the ethics of automobiles. Mm-hmm. But that didn't stop automobiles, did it? It's interesting that you embraced it as opposed to be one of the other folks mm-hmm. that probably bashed it. But you understand why. The reason why is because I went, I became a completely digital artist in the late 90s. So I've been drawing on digital tablets. That's why you said, well, what is he he's drawing on this tablet? Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for decades. So I'm a 3D modeler. So when you see Pixar, you see the model, those mm-hmm. characters, yeah. I do that. I made my living from that. That's how I raised my kids. Yes, sir. I taught other people how to do that. And I worked in the video game industry, and like Tanisha, I hated it. I worked for Ubisoft for a second. But uh, on Batman Vengeance, that was a video game for the the PlayStation? The Xbox? I don't know which one it was, but I I forget. That was a long time ago. But I utilized those techniques. So, for example, even like the front cover of this, that's a 3D object. Okay, I got you. Right? So, mm-hmm. And it's a simple 3D object, but then I would go into Photoshop and Clip Studio Paint. I would paint it. But if I flip this open, this part here, you see the line work underneath? Do I need to put this in front of the screen? <laughs> That's a drawing. That's a drawing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that drawing allows me to enter the drawing in as an image prompt. Okay. You know, they have written prompts, image prompts. This is an image prompt. But Doodle AI utilizes a technology called edge detection. Mm-hmm. So it follows the line artwork. All I had to do was enter what time of day, right, what mm-hmm. sort of detail. Now, I don't wow. stop there because once I get it there, I then have to composite that and open That's the only step I take. I then open it up in Photoshop and Clip, Clip Studio Paint, and I do my what's called a paint over technique that's been used in the video game industry for decades. And I utilize that to turn, like, I don't want the AI to do the work for me. Mm-hmm. I want it to take the hardest part, the crushing rendering, shadows and, you know, uh, uh, what do they call these things? Wrinkles. Folds, I, yeah. Folds, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I had a flashback to Willie Cook, uh, who was the instructor at Jackson State University. He would make us paint the same still life every day. And you would just be sitting at the same, and he would just change very little of it. And what he did was he broke down, broke down our resistance to sitting there painting detail. Because that's what you need as an artist. The problem is artists are athletes. You pay a price because the human body is not meant to sit down for hours and hours and hours. So AI, regardless of what one thinks, is the first technology that allows you to augment in a major industry-transforming way, your technology. It's the equivalent, I know you're going to understand what I'm saying, it's the equivalent of when digital audio arrived mm-hmm. in the music mm-hmm. industry. It changed everything. everything. Yeah. That happened, and then the next major shockwave was Napster. Yep. And then that was it. It was over. <laughs> so you never hear musicians <laughs> complaining or saying, man, why are you using a, a MP, what's that, MP, what do you call MP3. it? MP3. MP, why y'all using that? No, well, no, what's the one with the buttons on it? You tap, you tap the beats out. Uh, uh, like MPC. Yeah, MPC. I'm in the MPC. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm That's just part of it. But these people may not know how to play keys on a on a piano. May but they know how to use the MPC. They know how to use the MPC. They know how to sample. Yeah, they know, they how, to know how to make 
music. Yes, sir. Nobody debates. And you have no problem with that, that people will be able to use this technology. Very good question. Mm-hmm. I want to live. I want to eat. <laughs> I want to pay my rent. Okay. I want to be able to pay for the plane ticket to get here. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be able to pay for the mm-hmm. plane ticket to get back home. I live in New York City. <laughs> yes, sir. I want to eat. Okay. Now, some people have issues because the work is being scraped off the web. Mm-hmm. Well, this person, yes, all images are being scraped. Right? Just like all audio is being scraped. So you are talking and complaining about, oh, man, my stove is broken. And then two days later, you notice you start getting ads for stoves in your feed. You've noticed that. It's because your phone is listening to you. Every Mm -hmm. single word. Right. And it's legal. Right? The -hmm. only thing that OpenAI and other places did was they took that without permission. But GPS, they took those images, those 3D images, Without permission, you know, they just did it. This is, but no one's willing to give up GPS. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna give up GPS because no. I gotta get to where I gotta get to, bro. You know what right. I mean? You, do you all remember back in the day when you were going somewhere? You had to remember. Yeah, I don't even. Or you had to learn how to read a paper map. Uh, People oh, read no, paper, paper maps. Well, what see, I'm a girl. I'm the only female yes. in the room, apparently. So we learned to read maps while y'all got lost no. driving places. Praise the no, Lord and for I GPS. Get, and, and, I, and I get that. And, and now <laughs> no, I won't even, even no, when you go to another country now, as soon as you get there, you can just tap yeah. right in and get to wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. And so that's right. the point. So you're saying I'm not giving that up. So I'm saying. But are you are you upset about it? Are you not I was about for two it? weeks. Okay. So you're okay with it now. You're okay with AI doing work there. All right, you, so I got to go to my horse manure. Uh, example. <laughs> Please tell the horse manure. I'm going to tell the horse manure. All right, I, and I hate to have to do it, but it's uh, all right. So for thousands of years, <laughs> mankind yes, sir. walked everywhere. Mm. They walked everywhere. They had mm. the club. They were muscular. They were men, right? Yeah, I know. I know. I said, I, I, you know, <laughs> there were some great women there, but there was men, <laughs> and they walked everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. they endured the elements and saber-toothed tigers and Whatever rock slides and lava, and they did that. Till one day, some woman said, "Look, I am tired of following you around. We gonna grab this horse here and start piling stuff on his back." Because I'm tired of carrying it. Mm. And the horse took over. Right? Then the horse died dying. So they then got a wheels and they stuck it on the horse. They wrapped it on the horse so the the horse could pull things. Right? Mm -hmm. A wheeled instrument. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And that lasted for thousands thousands of years. It lasted through uh, migrations of one ethnicity and race and culture and tribe from one part of this yes. world to others, yes, right? Yep, yep. It endured wars, yep. all of it. Horses were the mode of transportation mm-hmm. up till about 120 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there were people who made their living that whole time scooping horse poop. Their job was to scoop Horse poop. Okay. Mm-hmm. They sent there. If there was college, or they, or they, they would there take that. There was college. There was college. Or if they were not like the elite who would mm-hmm. send their kids to college, they would take that poop and throw it in the field. So they would they would feed mm-hmm. their fields, fertilize their mm-hmm. field with mm-hmm. human and horse 
poop, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And that was an industry. Mm-hmm. Entire cities were built around it, mm-hmm. right? Until someone created the horseless carriage. Mm-hmm. And without question, people thought that was a sign of the end times. <laughs> These horseless carriages are going to bring about the end of the world. They're, they they don't have any guide. They they get up there. People are getting run over in the street, mm-hmm. right? And it's not good. And it was even worse. It was the domain of the rich and powerful. So somebody came along and said, "You know what? I bet all these regular working class people here and these poor folks, but if we made it affordable and could produce it cheaply, I bet we can start selling these automobiles." And then Ford called on, right? And then all the rest of Chevrolet. And no one is willing to give up a car, mm. ever. In fact, one of the more liberal people I know is Dr. Taylor here, right? <laughs> Dr. Taylor has a gas electric hybrid. Yeah. And she stated to me the other day, this is likely my last gas, in part, my gas-powered vehicle. It'll be done after this. So she was going to ride this one until the wheels fall off like she did her previous car, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) True. So I'm saying what we're living through is a characteristic of human existence. Mm -hmm. Um, Arthur C. Clarke said, paraphrasing here, any technology sufficiently advanced enough will appear as if it were magic. Mm -hmm. That is what we're living through. Mm -hmm. Our job as human beings is to constantly strive and make a place for the human existence within that advancement. Okay. As an Afrofuturist, my job, as well as Dr. Taylor's job, is to do that within the context of exposing, empowering, and spreading black culture across the planet Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? I don't even know if I should ask another question. I, I think the story is so well told. Uh, tell you what, let's focus on that real quick, and we can let that be the last thing. Okay. What you said right there was kind of like so powerful to me. The right. end. Right. Thanks like, for coming, guys. Love right. you. Do your thing. Uh, but you have this in front of us. So let's talk about that. So, and then if there's opportunities for folks to go get their hands on yes. this as yes. well. So we got to do that. Okay. Uh, so, again, thank you, Dr. Taylor, for bringing me down here. Uh, uh, meeting you the other day uh, was advantageous because I, I landed on the plane. We came over. We got together. And I said, okay, use me. I'm here to work. So, oh, yeah, there's a gathering. Yeah. And so that's why you saw me drawing like that. And so then I, uh, let's give the comic to him. Right. And that's what happened. So this comic is a product. Stop story right there. Also, I have to put in there, his introduction was, hold on a second. <laughs> it was, yeah, less than two minutes of, yeah. While I finished the go. introduction. <laughs> I'm like, that was pretty effing awesome. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I could say. I'm like, I love this guy. This was, that was, that was an awesome moment for me. I'm like, let me capture the moment mm-hmm. in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. And I just, I thought that was very unique. I don't know if that's something mm-hmm. you just do off the spur. You just felt a, a spirit hit you. I don't know. <laughs> well, but I just thought it was so cool when you did that. I'm like, hold on. 
I don't want to just give you this. Yeah, let right. me give you something that you can hold on to, and this mm-hmm. makes it very special. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, let, I got to put that in the special spot now. So yeah. I can't right. just, you know. Now you can't just read it. Yeah, you have to yeah, go yeah, buy yeah, another yeah, one to read. You understand. So yeah. do you, you understand. Dr. You understand. Taylor brought me out to record the event. So I was recording as many of the, the speakers as I could. Wow. Um, yeah. I forget her name, a, a young lady's name, who's the Congress of uh, this year. Oh, no, that's Mrs. Stone. Yeah, Mrs. Yeah, Stone, who, right? Um, right. Yeah. So they're I, the one who, the monument, yeah, they, the Fifth War monument, yeah, they're the, the ones that said This is up. the police officer, uh, 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 the lady there. Uh, I'm sorry. I oh, the constable. Yes. Yeah. That's the congressman mm-hmm. with his grandson. Right. Uh, let's see who else I got here. Oh, my eyes are horrible. That's another thing I would say, kids. Watch it with the eyes. Your eyesight will grow worse. <laughs> uh, and that's the congresswoman there. A uh, uh, lawyer. Um, yes, the, yeah. the lawyer. Yes. Um, Al- uh, Algeria. Uh, no, I. Al- I- uh, she is a lawyer. I, forgot, uh, I will let you guys no. figure that out. Yeah. I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. Me. I'm sorry. Okay. She, she's got the picture. She's got the picture. No problem. And she was. But she uh, doesn't. She definitely yeah. represents Fifth Ward to the she fullest. Does. And she was one of the most devastating speakers. Yeah, she was great. She, yeah, is she was amazing. She, has she knows. She knows she's the history amazing. of that oh, community. Yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's forward and backwards. Exactly. Yeah. So that's part of what I do uh, as I draw people now. That's the judge, right? Yeah, yes. former, yes. yes. mm-hmm. yes. uh, former judge. Yes, they're all on the wall. Uh, it's the monument in Fifth Ward. Oh gosh, on I can't. Lions, Lions, and... behind the Chase Bank. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. See, you right. know the neighborhood. I just know how to get there. <laughs> all right. So uh, the reason, uh, other than that, I'm here on Friday of well, uh, well Saturday of last weekend. I, along with my collaborator, Dr. Walter Grayson, who uh, works at uh, McAllister uh, uh, University in Minnesota, he is a hip-hop scholar. Mm -hmm. And he's worked with the New York City Department of Education a few years working on educational comics. They have something called a Civics for All Comics Group. Mm -hmm. And they have done books for several years. And last December, Walter called me out of the blue. We first met, I think, Tanisha, were you at Planet Deep South? I was. All of us, all of these prime Afrofuturists were at, in Jackson, Mississippi, by this comic book store called Offbeat. In fact, the guy who, who owns Offbeat probably is not aware of how historic that, that even, moment was. That all yeah. of the primary Afrofuturists who are represented in the Smithsonian show mm-hmm. that are like the, the scholars and many of the prime artists were there mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I met everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Walter always wanted to work with me. He called me in December of, of 2022 and said, hey, man, I'm doing this thing. I want you to do the art for me, and it's on hip-hop. And I have a complicated relationship with hip-hop. I won't go into all of it. Oh, good. But I would say— <laughs> He said it's complicated. Uh, it's complicated. But I would say that as soon as he said it, I went, yes. But I didn't think about it. In fact, I said yes so fast. My wife was like, why'd you, why'd you agree to do that? Because I knew it was going to be a good freelance job. And I went into it admittedly thinking, okay, this will be a freelance job. The pay will be good. But it took me nine months to finish it out. It is without a question one of the most important things I've ever done in my life. Wow. The graphic history of hip-hop within this particular volume one is 24 pages, and it has some front and back matter, but 24 pages of actual story 
dealing with all of the history of hip-hop from its early origins to close to present day. Now, you might say, well, why close to present day? It's because we just got the green light to do volume two and volume three. Oh, wow. Right. Now, with this particular version here, which is not available in stores, it was 100,000 copies were shipped to the New York City school system, right? But Walter and I have our own company, so within about the next week or two, we will release our version, which will be this, with an additional 30 pages of content, of hmm. uh, comics, right? Okay. Of, uh, expanding, blowing it out the story. Like, for example, if I ever have to hear somebody else again say, well, man, hip-hop actually started in the Caribbean because DJ Cole Hurt, Cool Herc is from Jamaica, and he brought the dubbing and the spinning with him, so it functionally had its origins in the Caribbean. I'm like, look, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I can only draw so fast, but Walter, Walter's a scholar. I'm the, you know, I'm helping with the technical aspects yes, of the story sir. to tell it clear. But the story of hip hop is so complex. It is. It, it is. really is. It's so complex. It's it so really is. And everyone and everyone owns a certain part of it. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, and that's the that's what makes it interesting, though, because yeah, everyone wants to put Cool Herc at the beginning, but there will be those that will expose Here other parts of it. Here it comes. No, I'm, I'm not no, going to. No. Yeah, they they always say it's yeah. not going to come, but then it comes. So come on, let's no, no, go. No, 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 no. no. Come on. Here it comes. Come I, on. I'm okay with that start right there. I'm I'm a younger. I'm gonna. I'm going to. Uh, uh, I grew up on that part of it and mm-hmm. on, and I'm okay with it. But I do know that there's spot dates in history. Mm-hmm. What by what what dates are you referring to, sir? They're just <laughs> things that you can go back through time, and although maybe not called rap or rhyme, there mm-hmm. were uh, there were moments mm-hmm. where there there was apparent rapping. Right. And there is footage visually. There is audio. Pigmeat Markham mm-hmm. from 68 had a song, Here Comes the Judge, which was on the charts. It was a top mm-hmm. 10 song. It, for mm-hmm. all practical purposes, is a yeah. rap song. It yeah. is not called rap. I don't like to get into these kind of debates. But you just did. I did not. You I did. just no, did. No, 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 no. That's the point. No, I did not. No, I did so, not. Now, so. now here, Again, let, me, let me interrupt. Let me interject. The let 50 me years starts with Cool Herc. Salute, acknowledgement, that's the way it's going down. <laughs> now, the Caribbean aspect and what I just threw out there, that's because I'm a hip-hop rap aficionado, oh, a see, curator okay, of but, the culture. But, uh, hold on, hold on. And hold I'm on. just throwing little hold bugs hold out hold there on, hold on, hold on. if you're interested. So this is what we told during the professional development with high school teachers, the first time it ever happened mm-hmm. with a hip-hop comment that was officially used by New York City school system. Mm-hmm. Generally, when teachers go to professional developments, they just want it to be over. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Everybody has their opinion. They do. Now, this is what we told them. If you know something we don't know, because I definitely don't know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. My job is to absorb this information. What I need you to do is go on to www. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. No, I'm telling you what we told them. I need you to go to www.graphichistoryofhiphop.com, mm-hmm. sign up, and if you have any that information, I'm telling you, if you write it down, there's a 90% chance it's going to make it inside the next volume. Right. I'm just saying, 
that this is an undisputable I truth. I am asking you <laughs> to write that down. I don't want to be part of the uh, the confusion. You're of already hip-hop. part of I it. Am not. You're, in it, you're I, in it up to your let, neck let me, at this let me point. Just, let me just say this. Okay. With, okay. With, with without this thing called hip hop, I'm not sitting in front of you having of this course. conversation. Right. It right. has made my life just as your sure. this, this mm-hmm. comic life is made your life. You take care of your children. This thing called hip hop. If not for it, I don't know what I would have been or where I would be today. This is my truth. So let me take it a little bit farther. In this, the only DJs we dealt with, just as this kind of brief overview, was Red Alert and... uh, 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 Hold on. Let me go to the page. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Apologies. You got to get Grandmaster Flash. Yo, wait. Yeah, but but I'm talking about radio person. Radio person. Okay, let me, let me, let me, okay. I'm sorry. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And even for me, as long as you have like a a magic... Red alert, Chuck, chill out. Salute, Chuck, chill out. Okay, but here's the thing, though. We know that in future volumes, because we've already discussed that we got to talk about hip-hop journalists. I know because I ran into Wild Wayne in New Orleans, mm-hmm. right? Because my wife salute, salute Wayne. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. now I'm thinking, okay, I've already painted Wild Wayne before. Listen, you're going to be going down this rabbit hole forever if you <laughs> oh, start this. Dude, it's not a rabbit hole. Then, it's deeper it, it, than it, a rabbit it, hole. <laughs> There's an entire town of rabbits. It's in city. And then when you start that, it's going to be because, you know, the home is New York, but now it's gone to other places because you can start that rabbit hole just in Houston, Texas. So it has its own culture of hip hop mm -hmm. and stories that could be told as well. So there are some rappers in here from Texas. As there should be. But the point is, <laughs> is that we just barely touched on it. Oh, no. I, yeah. So I know so, it's exhausting, it's a man. I don't know how you. I don't think the story of all this can ever be put in one particular capsule. Because here's what happens. Okay. You'll think you have the whole story. We don't. And here's what's going to happen. It's going to be that one guy or gal from wherever, wherever, mm-hmm. U.S. of A. or other place right. mm-hmm. that will tell you, not only is your story wrong, <laughs> here's the true story. And they will have a thread that will make you go, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Right. And that's what I love about the story of hip-hop. Now, imagine being told that (laughs) in a governmental situation. Oh, wow. By an executive who works for a Fortune 500 company. They are that... Passionate about this stuff. Oh, yeah. And And you you have to, like... It's bigger than me. Oh, absolutely. It's bigger. So I do graphic novels. I do Maddie's Rocket, Infinitum, and those things. But I had never been swarmed before. It's it's a very uh, it's world uh, passionate. It's a hip hop is a very passionate culture. It's yeah. world culture. Uh, yes. And and when those of us who have ate off of it right. see mm-hmm. certain things. We take it a certain way. Yes, like, even in this city, there's certain things mm-hmm. I will not talk about. People will, all across the country, hey, we want you to talk about this particular DJ. Nope. Mm-mm. Why not? I don't feel Hip-hop. like I, I don't feel <laughs> like I was, I was a, I was a lucky observer from the outside. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. a participant in the, of that genre that got created in this right. city. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't want to be part of telling that story because it's a very territorial 
story. Right. right. And when you missed out on any certain part, person, right. that may not have Moment. been in the visual, right. it, there's repercussions to it. Okay, yeah. but then let me ask you this question. Yes, sir. Do we leave it out? No, you you know you don't leave it out. All you have to we can do to weave is it into the story, and that's yeah. the beauty yeah. of comics. Comics is the dance between visuals and words. And I sometimes, love right? You won't have words; you just have the images. And yeah. the images can tell a story without being overtly explicit, because it's pictures. Well, here, let me, can I say this to you? Yes, I'm I'm going to salute you. And the gentleman, Mr. Walter. Walter Grayson, yeah. Mr. Grayson, for even having the fortitude to say, I think we should do this. Mm-hmm. Because we would be angry if it was not done at all. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be anger anyway. There's going to be anger anyway. You got it. There's going to be anger anyway. At least there's, to me, I don't care if it's just certain parts. The story has to be documented. And the documentation yeah. has to happen in various ways. I want the story to be told through comic, through visual, through podcast, through right. whatever medium. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. story has to be told. Right. Yeah. Now. So I'm going to salute you gentlemen on that right. and say good luck because there's going to always, for the rest of your life now, no matter what you do. Well, I, see. I just well, want I see. to Now he had to throw that word for the rest of your no, life. Be, you, you'll yeah. be wow. sitting there with the family. Wow. Not bothering anybody. <laughs> wow. And somebody will tap you while you're sitting in the restaurant and say, hey, you know, Y'all could have done the did the da the did it. That's happened multiple times. That's in gonna be the rest of your It just happened in this interview, and I thank you so much for <laughs> It just happened. He said, Oh, I won't do it. I'm like, man, he just gave some great information. But that's what I'm saying. I, I did that's, not do it. You're, I'm gonna say this. That's your job. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's your job. Yes, yeah. sir. We are so grateful that y'all had us here. Um, no, I'm, I have to now be the director and executive producer type and say, hey, we got a workshop to get to. Oh, no, <laughs> no you do got to do that. www.graphichistoryofhiphop.com. The double size edition will be out in the next two weeks or so. Uh, you'll be able to get it in hardcover. My last question, Doc. Ooh, uh, that's fun. Afro, say it for me. Afro the Futures. Center for Africana oh, yes. Futures. Is there a place where they can go to get more information about it? If yes. people want to join, absolutely. I don't, and I have to ask you that before. Yeah, I yeah, know. absolutely. So I think you actually interviewed one of our other colleagues, uh, Dr. Tyrone Dixon, absolutely. about our community education Dixon. program in payroll accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could go to the center's website on the TSU website. You can mm-hmm. go to our Instagram, um, the Center for Africana Futures. We're on Instagram, and you can follow the link tree. Um, to go to our different websites and pages and find out more about the workshops that we're having, community education, certificate programs, events that we're hosting. Um, we are really, really excited. Um, Tim Fielders, our first um, workshop uh, <laughs> presenter, and we'll have more um, presenters and public talks and workshops that folks can come out to. Um, we're gonna. This one is a more hands-on kind of workshop, so we didn't um, make it a hybrid workshop. Mm-hmm. But some of our other workshops will be. So I have a, I have a hope to see you guys again in the future, and and some other stuff that can be done mm-hmm. where we can include some people and maybe there's some workshop situation. Am I here in March? Yeah. Are you? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to bring them back. I got a funny March. feeling that we will be talking to each other again in March. Huh? Absolutely. 
I'm done. I know you got to run. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank so you. much. Thank Tim, you so much. Doctor, thank you all so much. This has been great. Put that so they can see it and, 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 and throw that www that you said. www.graphichistoryofhiphop.com. This is a comic. Uh, this version here cannot be uh, 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 retrieved by the regular public. It's be hardcover. Don't worry, <laughs> you. So what you got? Don't let it go. I, I'm not. I'm not. Just Thank you, you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much, man. Right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Yay. we got to get back.